politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow besieged patriots, to week six of this crazy, crazy suspension of liberty and martial law. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house um, after a brief paternity leave. I was supposed to come back uh, really next week, Monday, but I was just chomping at the bit. I felt I couldn't sit out this fight, so it is Friday, April 17th. Uh, we're going to cap off a shorter week here and then start anew a on Monday for a full, full week. I'm going to be all hands on deck. I don't care if the baby keeps me up half the night. I'll just double down on coffee. Um, friends, after we missed two days together, I mean, there is no way to even catch up. Uh, where, where do we even start? Where do we begin? A world that is 100% turned upside down, inside out. A broken clock is right twice, but there's not a single thing our government is doing that is correct or just. We have a government that does not derive a shred of power legitimacy. We have the worst home confinement. Continuing, Republican governors like Brad Little in Idaho indefinitely for another month at least when in states where there's barely a problem where more and more studies are coming out that lockdown is counterintuitive the learned experiences of Europe versus the Asian countries clearly clearly demonstrates this how we have subways opened which are numerous new studies an MIT study shows that it was a big spreader big factor in New York City while open-air parks and beaches are closed, which makes no sense whatsoever. We're going to have an article on that today. And then at the same time, a hundred years worth of progressive jailbreak is being implemented. 25% of jails and prisons in Chicago, LA, all over the country being released. Perhaps, perhaps nothing best exemplifies what you and I are up against. Then this case out of Florida, Hillsborough County, it's where Tampa is, this piece of garbage that you should all know about, Sheriff Chad Cronister, the same man who locked up, or arrested at least initially, that pastor for holding services that were abiding by CDC distancing guidelines. He let out over 100 prisoners, among them Joseph Edward Williams, a man now accused of murder. He's accused of murder just hours after having been released by this piece of garbage. And this guy acts like he's all concerned, low-level, nonviolent offenses. We have discussed this for years together on this program, but now I am being proven right. Because the people sitting in jail for drugs or theft or whatever else, it usually means that there was a threat assessment that based on their priors, that's why they're there. And if you let them out, they will be like a bunch of hyenas. This man had 35 priors, including weapons offenses, burglary assault, barely served time, and he was let out, and now he's accused of murder. This guy best edifies this degree of anarcho-tyranny that we are up against. Where on the one hand, we have martial law, but on the other hand, illegal aliens are being released. Criminals are being released. Crime is going up. And then 
you know, Anne Corcoran has a, has a story out, an exclusive story. I'm glad it looks like it gained traction. That a thousand special immigrant visas have been granted to Afghani nationals. You know, we're talking about Afghanistan on how this whole strategy of lockdown is our new Afghanistan. That it does nothing but perpetuate itself, but actually makes the problem worse. And there's no exit strategy. Well, guess what? To add insult to injury, we're bringing in a thousand Afghanis while you and I are under house arrest. You could not make this up. Meanwhile, they extended the H-2A visas in this country for three years. H-1B visas were extended as well. Every single outcome is an immoral, unjust, counterintuitive outcome. And again, after all this, 22 million jobs gone, but that's nothing because really a lot more is coming and there's tens of millions more that were cut back. Oh, but I got my $3,900 for my family in my bank account. You could take it and stuff it. Stop printing the stupid money. The funny monopoly money. We want our country back. We want our liberty back. We want our sovereignty back. We want our system of governance back. Luckily, there are signs of growing rebellion. But again, Trump needs to get consistent. He very much realizes what we realize, and I have that on good authority. But on the other hand, like the problem with everything he does is this cognitive dissonance where he'll strongly believe in A and then install people around him that believe in the exact opposite. And, and it's like, it's lost on him. He's all into Fauci and Burks, from what I hear. It makes no sense. Meanwhile, you have all these counterintuitive policies where we are paying menial labor, people that work in menial labor that just say, you know what, why, why risk going out when they say I'm going to die? I'll pick up unemployment. In some states, you can get fifty to $60,000 a year, and that's tax-free. So if you compare it to their salaries, often they're, they're going to be making more. Just like hospitals get paid 15 to 20% more by Medicare if they classify a patient as COVID. And that's why we're having this whole controversy over the numbers. And to this day, they're not explaining the basic question. My nine-year-old son asked me this. We went on a walk together. That's, that's what you do. And I rarely sit down with him for half an hour and, like, talk politics. I mean, he hears things by osmosis, especially with him home all day and me uh, broadcasting from the house. He hears me pacing the floors on the phone, whatever. <clears throat> but he asked me, he said, I don't understand. If, if the hospitals aren't overrun, if this was all to flatten the curve. This is, this is a nine-year-old, by the way. Almost 10. And, you know, to ensure that we didn't have this initial surge, well, it didn't happen, so why aren't we going out now? Meaning everyone admitted, the other side admitted that this is not a way to end the virus. If anything, you're forestalling it, and you're going to have a second and third wave. But no, you can't have a surge at once. All right, that sounded reasonable. Well, it didn't pan out. Now they're like, well, it was because of our our lockdown. Well, no, it's not, but... Whatever, even if you want to believe that, at this juncture, we should all agree, even even in New York City, they weren't overrun. Certainly elsewhere, you're actually getting more people killed with family spreading, especially multi-generational homes, indoors, keeping people indoors instead of outdoors. And you're dragging it out longer. So not only are more people going to die from the shutdown and the shutdown of, of vital medical services, and suicide, and mental health. 
joblessness, domestic violence, not to mention the economy and our way of life and our liberty. But in addition to that, in addition to that, who's to say more people aren't going to die of the virus based on what we're doing? Luckily, there are signs of rebellion, but it's got to get stronger. I need you guys to A, sign up for your $69 subscription for the entire year's worth of Blaze TV content. Go to blazetv.com forward slash CR and issue promo code Daniel. That's a way you could help us. But also, you could go to Harwood Citizen Sanctuary and click the send email button there. And Or you could just email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com to sign up for our Paul Revere project. You could be one of the Guardian Minutemen. Because I'm telling you, it's so important just to get the word out. What we're doing is we're shaming the corona fascists. A group of us did that in a Montana county that was going to require people to wear armbands. And now they back down. We need to raise outrage. Raise awareness. Call your legislatures. Call your county councilmen. Get in their faces. Ask questions. It really does seem very hopeless at times. Who do we have to turn to? Now, we're going to have Congressman Andy Biggs on in a few minutes. He was one person who called for Fauci to be fired and, 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 and called BS on the entire premise of what we're doing. So we're going to see if he has anything. But ultimately, we really have no one to turn to. Democrats are being like animals. Half the Republicans are joining in. The other half are just silent. I don't know where they are. Like, finally, there's a little bit. I saw the Pennsylvania State Senate overrid um, the plan of um, the Democrat governor to extend the shutdown for another month. But we need to see North Carolina and Michigan get involved. There are places where Republicans control both houses, but you have Democrat governors. We need, we need to see this more. And Trump gets it, but then he's surrounded by idiots. Idiots on immigration, idiots on jailbreak, and idiots on, on epidemiology here. You know, in a time like this, all you could do is turn to God to bless our activism, bless us with the wisdom, the acumen, to follow in his ways and do what is best for this country. One of the staples of Jewish life is um, my religion, Psalms 142. Prayer of David when he was in the cave. With my voice I cry out to the Lord, with my voice I supplicate the Lord. I pour out before him my speech, my distress I recite before him. When my spirit enwraps itself upon me, and you know my path, in whichever way I go, they have hidden a snare for me. Looking to the right, I see that no one recognizes me. Escape is lost from me. No one seeks my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord, I said, You are my refuge, my lot in the land of the living. Hearken to my cry, for I have become very low. Save me from my pursuers, for they have overpowered me. Take my soul out of confinement to give thanks to your name. Because of me, the righteous will crown you, because you will recompense me. Folks, that's what it is. I mean... You look around, it's like no one recognizes us. I, I, I know I have a friend that's 
it was kicked off of Twitter, and then you know she's a radio host and has neighbors and friends even that are so brainwashed into this panic and hatred that 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 the media is sowing that you can't even have a different view, a different opinion. Truly, truly horrible. So there's a lot going on. You're going to have to look for our written content. My Twitter feed at RM Conservative. You can go to Citizen Sanctuary Twitter feed as well as the Harvard's Citizen Sanctuary Facebook page. We're going to really put out all this content. And again, if you have stuff to share with us, if you have a poignant point you want us to share, we, we could make that a post. Um, and we could do it either in your name or if you want an anonymous, just say so in the email. A lot of people are worried about being caught, you know, being being a patriot. Remember, only one-third of Americans were patriots in the 1770s. 17, you know, 1776, the revolutionary era, was fought by one-third of the people. So we're going to have the same thing. But that's how you bring, bring along a majority. We do have the momentum as slow as it is. I don't like Trump's bureaucratic reopen plan, but at the very least, he's talking about Reopening The narrative is now back on that, which is where it needs to be. So we're not, you know, we're not going to have time for this because I really wanted to get to our guest. Um, but again, we're going to come back full steam next week. So folks, when we think of leaders, leaders looking out for the forgotten American, besieged and beleaguered by our government in a way that we have not seen really since 1776, and nothing personal to our founders, but those so-called intolerable acts and the Stamp Act really don't measure up to the amalgamation of anarchy and tyranny that we are seeing now with Americans under house arrest, their businesses and lives shut down while criminals and illegal aliens are released, refugees continue to flow in, and Chinese foreign workers continue to get visas extended. Who is looking out for us? Well. There really are only a handful of people that you could probably count on one hand. So there aren't too many to pick from. But one of them is obviously Congressman Andy Biggs. He is a congressman from Arizona's 5th District. That's the Mesa, Arizona area. He is the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. And he kicked off the week by co-writing an op-ed with Congressman Ken Buck from Colorado, really calling on Trump to look away from Fauci and Burks. Because they've been proven wrong so many times, and there are so many unanswered questions, we need to move in another direction. Finally, finally, we've heard that, and the president, literally minutes ago as we're recording, seems to be tweeting at different blue states demanding that they liberate the people. So he's getting the message, looks like some progress, but we really need an ambassador in Congress. Hey, Congressman, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for standing up for the people. Daniel, it's great to be with you. Um, I, I appreciate your advocacy as well. I, I read your stuff, uh, and it's great stuff. It's important stuff. And, uh, you know, not enough people are saying what you're saying. And so I'm grateful for that. So that's what I, where I wanted to start with. I, I, I cannot believe it. You know, I could be nerdy sometimes. I could get deep in the weeds on a specific issue. Why aren't people talking about this? But, you know, it's understandable. People don't know about it. But we are at a point in our country where I think we all agree this could very well be the biggest reset moment since 1776 in, in many, many ways. 
our economy, our society, our relationship with government being reset. On the left, you have Governor Gavin Newsom, the California governor, saying this is our opportunity to remake America in a progressive image. And we are seeing with lightning speed and precision accuracy every single policy outcome from this is everything they wanted to do anyway predating this. Massive crushing debt, dependency, closing people down, civil liberties, crushed, spying and surveillance, while on the other hand, while we become like Singapore to regular peaceful people, but not against criminals, criminals are released, illegal aliens are released, um, refugees are still coming in. At a time when we're expecting 25 to 40% unemployment, they are still continuing all the foreign visas, including from China. Nothing is being done to address the source of bringing this in from China, the sovereignty issues, the supply chain issues, the China foreign policy issues. Democrats are going full bore. You look at Republicans, they're either going along with it on the state level, and at a federal level, it's like your colleagues are like dead. I don't know where they are. Then you got the White House where, as we've seen all too often, Trump seems to 9 out of 10 times or even sometimes 10 out of 10 get exactly what we're saying instinctively. But then or in Orwellian fashion, he's surrounded by people that are antithetical to the message he's trying to push. Where does that leave us? Well, man, Daniel, you, you, you really summed up what's happening in about 30 seconds, exactly what's happening. I mean, so, so here's the way to think of it. I, I'll just talk about Congress for a second. Congress needs to be in D.C. We need to be in session. We need to be doing things. There are so many things that, that have to be done that uh, uh, not just pertaining to this shutdown. By the way, it's not the coronavirus that's killed our economy and attacking our freedoms. It is government that is uh, killing our economy and attacking our freedom. And so some people would say, well, we're safer when Congress isn't there. Well, there is no one in Congress to actually defend the uh, district. So my district, uh, I had a teletown hall last night. And in my district, it's overwhelmingly, let us open up. We want to open up. We want to be in business. We, you know, we, we don't want to spread a public contagion. Yeah, we get it, but we can handle this. We are adults. We are free Americans. We're creative. We're ingenious. Empower us. Let us back at work. Um, but we know that. I know because I've been in the district now for two weeks because they won't call us in Congress. I have some, I've canceled so many flights back over the last two weeks. And Today, Daniel, I was supposed to be on the floor. I wanted to speak on the floor. We were told by the speaker's office yesterday that I would not be recognized, not be allowed to be on the floor. This is the tyranny that's going on. This is you. You couldn't orchestrate this any better than to say we're going to let the the tyrannical leftist governors basically go in and encroach rights and freedoms, arrest people. They're arresting. They have no authority to arrest people. What is the law that these people are violating? I can't even find it. And they're arresting people. They're issuing citations. And guess what? Congress is missing in action. And uh, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they couldn't have orchestrated this any better. And the Republicans were playing right into their hands. We need to be there uh, uh, asserting ourselves. But we, we can't even assert ourselves because in the House, we don't control the floor. And uh, it is absolutely stunning to me where six weeks ago, we were really a great economic power on our way to a, a great economic future. We were six weeks ago, we were 
um, not as free as I think we should be, but we were certainly a lot freer than we are today. And today, we have we have been uh, attacked by our own government, and we the people, we the people, have failed to stand up and say no. And uh, uh, th- we have got to stand up. We have got to unify. What how heartening it was to see Ohio, Michigan, people getting out and protesting. We have a we have a protest going on Monday, a rally going on Monday to demand opening of Arizona. This this is really powerful stuff if the people wake up and start saying, look, we are Americans. We have a history. We know who we are. Intuitively, we know who we are. That's And, and we're neglecting it. We are letting go. And I'm just telling you, Daniel, you know this. If you've studied authoritarianism, if you've studied a centralization of economies, it always comes with totalitarian uh, reduction of of liberty and and freedom. And when that happens, the question is, can you get it back? Ronald Reagan was exactly right. Booker, uh, Booker, Senator Booker said, oh, this is in our DNA. Freedom's in our DNA. It's not. Reagan was right. He said it's not in our DNA. But what it is, is we have to defend it every generation. If we fail to defend it, then we'll be telling our future generations what it was like in America when it was free. This is the crossroads. This is the apex or the or the fulcrum of where we're going. This is the fulcrum of where we're going. So this is what I don't understand. I want to do this methodically from the here and now, what Congress has a role in, first the shutdown, then the economy and fiscal policy, then the broader long-term China and foreign policy. But again, there are there are so many things. There's you know just like the left has an opportunity. Oh, we're worried about a spread. Let's go and empty out the prisons, which is something these they've always wanted to do. Yeah, we have crazy. an opportunity to do this on immigration, um, where both from a viral standpoint and from a um, uh, sovereignty standpoint, you know, making in America, but also from a labor standpoint, we have the best case ever for a moratorium on a lot of this immigration where we really needed anyway for, for quite a while. But I'm not seeing in all these bills, the ones that passed, the ones that are being proposed, the ones that Mnuchin and others are negotiating, anything. Look, I, I wrote an article, you all know when this started. I knew they would spend trillions of dollars and there's nothing we can do about it. But I said, look, at least get stuff for it on policy, on China, on immigration, on deregulation. Right. And at least, you know, Mitch McConnell talked about... um a wartime level of investment. Now, what he's missing is that in World War II, we invested in being a superpower and we came out that way. Here, it's all going in a black hole. All the money spent over just a few weeks. If we're going to bankrupt ourselves, at least suspend taxes and regulation and get people working. So at least, you know, in five, 10 years from now, we'll have something to show for it. Yeah, no, this is this is exactly right. I, I, I view this, uh, as one of the worst negotiations I've seen. Um, and with all due respect to Secretary Mnuchin, I think he's out of, out of his lane. His lane is to know about high finance, uh, complex financial situations. And I think he's, he's got some ideas over on that side that may be worthwhile. But when he's negotiating with people whose agenda is to remake America into a leftist uh, utopia, uh, then you you can't give in on on all the crazy funding they want, all the crazy advancement of programs that they want, and you know McConnell's like, well, we kept the we kept national uh, mail-in ballots out. Okay, that's one thing, but you created all kinds of constituencies which are now going to be dependent on our central government in that last bill and the previous oh bill. And so when you create constituencies, you know this 
it is it is very very difficult to move people off off the government uh, resource uh, 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 you know the, the the milk once that once you, they no longer essentially need it and so that's what happened here and so I, I was I was thinking okay well I'm not I'm not thrilled necessarily I'm not enthusiastic about another 250 billion dollars going into to uh, to small uh, business loans but I get it I mean. I mean, it, it may be that one of the only things that was done, quite frankly, that was worthwhile in that last bill. But, but you have people making a case, Daniel, on the right, who are arguing, um, well, this money shouldn't be going to corporations, et cetera. It should be going to individuals out of that $2.2 trillion. What they're doing there is effectively making the same case that Bernie Sanders and the Bernie were making about, yeah. about a, uh, a, a, a national uh, minimum uh, payout every month to people. I mean, they want to do two thousand dollars a month to to people. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Con- Congressman, yeah. I, your colleagues. I mean, we had we had Congressman Massey on the show who talked about this. We've had Congressman Chip Roy, but there are many that they just went along with this and they were fine with it. What I didn't understand is the, two, two things. Number one, obviously the unemployment. Where in some states now you can make fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year tax free. Um, so certainly anyone involved in menial labor, they're they're not going to be incentivized to work. It was literally the antithesis of a stimulus. And then the mm-hmm. other provision was rather than having it situationally tested. In other words, if you are shut down and lost your job, you get paid. But if not, not, they stupidly did it means testing. So now I'll tell my audience, I earn under $150,000. I got three kids at home. I got a fourth now, but three on, on last year's filing. So I got a check for $3,900. Now, look, I, thank God, didn't lose my job, at least as of now. So I got almost 4000 free bucks. It, it's just stupid. I mean, I'll give it to charity. Whereas someone who had a successful small business that they built their entire life and on last year's taxes earned, let's say, $170,000, $180,000, you know, and then now they were shut down. What? So they get nothing? Yes. The whole thing was indefensible. It was too little and too much at the same time. It bankrupted us, didn't address the problem. And then they're just like running away. And all I'm hearing is Mnuchin, Pelosi, um, all the people in the administration that seem to really easily fit in in the Hillary Clinton administration. Um, so I'm going to ask you the tough question here. And I'm going to be very frank. You know, the Freedom Caucus. Um, obviously took prominence when, uh, you know, we didn't have the bully pulpit of the presidency in Republican hands. So, you know, you had uh, House leaders, Senate leaders, and, you know, it's no secret to you or our audience that uh, they're they're not exactly um, in line with our thinking. So the Freedom Caucus tried to fill that vacuum. But obviously when the president was elected, I mean, that sucked out all the oxygen. Now, the, the problem that I'm finding is if you stand back and wait for the president to lead, given the complication of the personnel, which is a very deep discussion and I still don't understand it, we're not going to always get a good result. Isn't there a need to have a force in Congress now very strongly prospectively calling the plays of what the president should get where his red lines should be on vetoing, what his messaging should be, and I think the president would be very open to it. Yeah, no, that's that's right, and that's 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 our role. We're trying to do that. Um, we're, you know, that's that's one of the reasons that you saw the Buck piece and I, the the piece that Ken and I wrote, the piece I wrote two yeah. two days before that, uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, freedom uh, and and the 
the attack on our civil liberties, and they, they have to be responded. You saw that, that Attorney General Barr about three days later wrote a piece on, on religious uh, uh, liberty and uh, those who are attacking that. So we are trying to do, we're trying to be on the bully pulpit. Um, but one of the things, and this is, this is one of the things I was, I was talking about, is, is, is Pelosi has neutered the entire Congress to a certain extent by basically pulling the plug. And uh, we, we, we need to be advocating. We, uh, the, and the Freedom Caucus has been advocating. We need to be going back to work in Congress. You can't say we're going to allow people, you know, if you're working at Walmart or Target or something like that, we're going to put you out there. If there is a risk, we're going to put you guys out there and risk. But we in Congress, we, we just can't. We can't stand the risk of being yeah. in Washington, D.C., doing our job. Because it, uh, we've been diverted from the FISA abuses, right? We've been, we should be holding hearings on the, uh, the abuses of liberty that are going on by governors and mayors. On the, the science, country. on the math, we be talk- on the models. I mean- exactly. We should be having the, the science committee, uh, the Republicans on the science committee, if they won't let us hold a, a hearing, uh, we, should be holding, we should be holding our own hearings. We should be saying, look, the, why were the models so bad? Why were they so off? And um, why does New York include 3,700 people in their uh, COVID-19 death uh, case fatality rate, when the reality is they have no idea why those those people died. We should find out why uh, Dr. Burks believes that you should report every death as a COVID-19 death, even if they have not, did not test it, and even if you have no assurance that uh, COVID-19 was the cause of death, but was only present in the death. That is the type of yeah. of, of questions we need to be asking because that engenders panic and hysteria. And when people are panicked and, and in a mode of hysteria, they do one of two things. They, they either hunker down and try to get secure and bring stability to their life, or they fight back. And right now we have been overwhelmed by the left-wing media, overwhelmed by the government apparatus, which is so huge that people have, uh, many people have hunkered down. You are finally seeing the breakout, and I am so gratified to see the breakout and Congress has to be the same way. And the Freedom Caucus, just, we, we did a call yesterday uh, talking about some of these very types of issues that we have got to be uh, pushing harder, even harder, and, and show the, the hypocrisy yep. of the left uh, in, in what they're doing. So, so yeah. Let me give you two ideas on air here that I think would be force multipliers. One is they should not get paid. Congressmen and really, you know, Fauci and all these executive positions, top executives at or near Senate confirmation level should not get paid until the economy is moving at a certain benchmark. That's number one. I mean, again, I find it shocking how we are approaching. I mean, when you look at the people that whose hours have been cut back, it's tens of yeah. millions more than the 22 million. Um, yet every right. single government job, I mean, we could have an economic Hiroshima, but 100% of every government job will be left standing. Um, they do not share in the pain. So that's number one. And number two is, uh, you know, these lockdown governors are demanding another $500 billion. And to me, 
uh, and I sent this to people in the White House, the biggest leverage the president has is, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, shut up, I'm a big boy, get the feds out of here, I'm king, I could do what I want in my state, I'm shutting down. Oh, by the way, could you give me $500 billion? That's the way they could virtue signal on the cheap, where they could play to the media, they look like big, you know, great people, and then, you know, you don't have to suffer for it or have any countervailing pressure to create the right and achieve the right balance. Instead, it's like, hey, you go all the way in one direction and I'll just call in the feds. I mean, shouldn't that be a rallying cry? Not any money for states that drag this on more severely and more protracted than it needs to be. That, that's exactly right. That was one of my arguments to vote against the last uh, the last bill is that, hey, look, you've the, the economy is not bad because of a virus or uh, uh, an epidemic or an outbreak or whatever you want to call it. It is bad because of government reaction to it. And the government, uh, uh, you know, the governments cannot say to California, yes, we're going to backstop you and all of your cities and towns that have uh, basically abused everybody's rights and killed your economy. And so, so, the, the local jurisdictions don't get the tax revenue that they normally would get. The city, the states don't get the tax revenue. The counties don't. And then you come to the federal government and you expect us to backfill it. Well, guess who the federal government is? It is every American. So if you live in a state that is has uh, been, uh, a, my opinion, wiser approach this with a with a uh, with some wariness, then guess what? Your people are going to be taxed. Well. The future generation is going to be taxed to pay for what California did. And California is a, a, a mess, as is New York. And I look at a great piece in yesterday's Washington Post about the comparison between communist China and free China, which is Taiwan, and their approach, and why uh, Taiwan, yep. uh, uh, that gets something like 3 million visitors from China every year, is able to, uh, they have fewer than 400 total cases. And uh, their, their case fatality rate is 13. I'm just telling you, when we look back on this, if we can get back to uh, a pre-virus type of freedom in this country, pre-virus economy in this country, we're going to look at this and we're going to be extremely skeptical about, uh, about the things we were told by the medical, uh, yeah. the government medical apparatus. I will tell you that. Because that's what really scares me. It's not that people aren't going to die, but sadly, you know, we're not God. And, and, and that was baked into the cake when we stupidly decided to spend two more months bringing in people from China after brave Chinese dissidents warned on social media. This is open source. I mean, I was talking about it on the show mid-January as Senator Cotton was talking about this. And we did nothing. Um, and, you know, you got to believe our intel agencies knew even earlier what was going on. And now they're suddenly like, hey, you know, we want to let in, you know, endless flights from China. Oh, now let's let's have a travel ban outside your home. You know, you have a right to petition the courts to come in from Iran and Somalia. But, uh, you know, now now we can have a travel ban on your home. And what I find just so shocking about that is that there is no evidence that once you let it in and the horse left the, the barn in which we. A couple minutes ago, the Stanford first antibody study came out that it could be 4.16% have it in the Santa Clara area, which, you know, if you extrapolate that, that would be, um, you know, uh, millions of people in this country. 
and that would be a fraction of a 1% fatality rate if you would say that you know such and such millions of people have had it. And what I'm starting to see is from a study of China, a study of Taiwan, and a study of Japan, and I'll send you the article when it comes out, that almost all of the outbreaks and transmissions are indoors through families, and when they're outdoor, they're mainly through mass transit. So what did we do? We locked everyone inside. We close up small businesses and small churches and even boating on a lake that you could easily follow CDC guidelines. But then we have mass transit, of course, running. The worst of all outcomes. And then you it's, it's unmistakable that you look at Europe and almost every country that did lockdown, they had terrible results. You look at Taiwan, yep. Japan, Singapore, and South Korea that they powered through it. They went out with masks. Um, they... You know, they were careful. They didn't not do anything. That's the thing. They traced it. They quarantined those who needed to. They did the washing of the hands. We know we're not going to gather in large things. We're not going to touch doors like we usually do. That makes all the difference. But lockdown, my here's my concern. After bankrupting the nation, after destroying everyone's small business, with which unlike a government job, cannot just come back alive. Um, after infringing upon liberty and i want to talk about that a little bit more beyond anything i could have ever imagined in my entire lifetime after after countless people are going to die from the shutdown of every other medical service as well as the mental health issues my concern is who's to say that we're not going to have more people dying from the virus because they themselves are admitting that the only way to achieve this is through herd immunity, which we're forestalling and we're preventing. So you're definitely going to have a second and third wave. And the whole rationale was, yeah, that might be true, but you can't have a surge in the hospitals initially. But now that that's been proven not to be a problem, why are there no hearings? Why aren't Republicans holding field hearings without the Democrats? Use the bully pulpit. Call in. All the people that are coming on my show and Blaze TV and all these epidemiologists and and people that are tracking this closely to get the other side. Yeah, you know, uh, Daniel, this this is what needs to happen. Is we have got to keep we you and here's the deal. You've done a great job. There's some in the media on the right that have done a great job, but we are still fighting uh, uh, at the thirty thousand foot level, the elite level, tremendous pushback and panic on the ground on the grassroots where I'm doing teletown halls and what have you. And I'm calling people and businesses every day. They understand this. They understand this and, and they're willing to take the risk that comes with freedom. And we are having trouble. We are having trouble um, getting uh, colleagues as we get pushed back within the Republicans, you know, this, that we're not, we're not, we're not fully, um, on this, so uh, there's push to some people who believe that that this is the this is the worst thing ever. They believe got lead. They also had to revise his statement. But but, but con- Congressman, you you're kind of fading out on me. Um, if you make, maybe okay. you get get closer to the phone. But my my question to you is, what, people like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Here's what I don't understand, and I really mean this seriously. If you cannot have an equal and opposing and a contrasting vision emphatically and effectively at a time like now, why have a Republican Party? Yeah. Well, I, I just don't understand it. Well, that's why you've got the Freedom Caucus, and that's why we're trying to make 
uh, we're making advocacy as much as we possibly can within the constraints that we have. The uh, uh, I, I think that there's massive amounts of difference. Actually, uh, it's not always apparent because uh, some people will say, "Well, you know, the, the Democrats are taking a hard left uh, turn and the Republicans are taking a slow uh, slow turn." But I think there is enough people actually in the caucus. I think there are people in the Freedom Caucus. That's why we're there to advocate for the right turn. We have got to make the right turn, and um, and we're pushing back. That's that's all I can tell you. And you've got to keep pushing, and I've got to keep pushing. And yep. and we see what happens is uh, you know it started with with uh, my piece and some other pieces, yours and some other people who are writing pieces similar to this about Fauci, about Burks, about the civil liberties, about the the opening this up, the additional pieces that we've done, the interviews that I do, the the interviews you do. We have got to keep pushing uh, because we're we're uh, uh, we're pushing almost up the hill with a Sisyphean type of uh, uh, we just don't want it to roll back down on us. But we got to keep pushing it up the hill as often as we need to. And unfortunately, we need to do it very often. No, that that's the thing. And and I, I think to me, the most severe thing, even before you get to the economy, which is shocking. I mean, we. When would you have ever thought in your lifetime you would see something worse than the Great Depression? Because again, it's not. It's not a depression. It's worse than it. it's just because it's a. It's nuclear warfare. It's just a straight up shutdown. But it's the liberties. What I cannot yeah. fathom is this. I was always viewed as an authoritarian, right? I'm the guy that's into you know borders, and I'm an immigration hawk. I'm tough on crime. Yeah, Daniel, you don't care about civil liberties. I, I always heard that. But yet now, what's amazing is I'm one of the last men standing. Here's what I can't imagine. You would look at an illegal alien the wrong way. When they have no affirmative right to be here, it's antithetical to a right. It, it trespasses sovereignty. Um, it, it's settled case law. for You know my book, 130 Years of Case Law. But if the burritos weren't the right temperature, I mean, there would be lawsuits. What I can't understand now is, so, you know, you have all this going on, and then tons of people – a lot of elected, some of your Republican colleagues and some of the outside people in my business, when the president was saying, you know, we're going to get this open, they were like, hey, shut up. The president's not king. The states could do what they want. And I said, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. The president's not king, but a governor and a county garbage collector sure as heck aren't king either. Now, we do believe that, generally speaking, relative to what they've been doing the last 50, 70 years, more things need to be done by the states. But a state cannot infringe upon the Fifth Amendment. A state cannot infringe upon foundational of foundational rights. Now, even if the Fifth Amendment didn't initially apply to the states, everyone agrees the 14th Amendment famously says a state shall not deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Okay? So life, liberty, and property without due process of law. Um, in my version of the Constitution, Section 5 of the 14th Amendment empowers not the courts, but Congress to enforce those against the states. We all remember with Jim Crow when states were saying we're not going to allow African-Americans to go to school. Um, 
it, there was a proper role, the same way we believe states need to push back against the feds if they violate the Constitution, but there is a proper role for the federal government to step in and say, wait a minute, you cannot do that. That's all what the 14th Amendment was about. Why does that suddenly not apply? Oh, it does apply. That's the point. The point is that does apply. And so uh, Congress should be saying, look, if you're violating people's rights, we're going to withhold federal funds to you. Um, that's why uh, we sent information to the DOJ. You need to be doing this. And that's why the DOJ, uh, the Department of Justice, the executive branch, they're the enforcement arm of the federal government. They need to be investigating and holding people accountable. Uh, and these governments, just like they did under under um, uh, the post-Brown uh, 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 rulings, they need to be in there uh, enforcing this. The reason is because everybody's rights are being abused, particularly religious liberties right now. And Congress needs to be having the hearings and, and bringing these governors in. Uh, come on in, explain to us what you're doing here. And then bring Contra, saying that the Constitution applies even in cases of emergencies. Uh, you, you don't suspend civil human rights, constitutionally recognized rights that we believe yep. are inherent from God. No emergency justifies that. Um, you can choose to forfeit yep. your own rights by your own misconduct. But that's not what's happened here. Government has stepped in and interceded on these people's rights. And I am surprised we haven't seen more lawsuits. Uh, I know of several uh, 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 where businesses have come to me and I said, I think you need a lawyer and I think you need to open up your business. And when the, when people come after you, then you need to you need to uh, basically use your lawyer to fight them. And, the, and some, not everybody's got the money to do that. The other thing that I would tell you is, is I've talked to business owners now who are afraid to open up. You know why they're afraid to open up? Because government government has told everybody that it's unsafe to open up. And because of that, yes. if they if they open up, they're afraid if somebody comes in um, and and gets the virus somehow, they're going to get sued. And we've already had California trial lawyers come to Arizona sniffing around looking for ways to do that. And that, we, so I've actually drafted legislation to protect that because uh, it sh you should not be held liable, or should not be held liable uh, on a negligence claim just simply for the for the reason that you opened up your business. And if somebody opens up a business and is trying to, to do the, the six-foot distancing or whatever whatever the, the guidelines may be now, they should not be held liable if somebody else comes in and, con and contracts or transmits the coronavirus. That's the problem that we have going on here. We have created an atmosphere in this country where people are afraid to actually open up their businesses uh, for fear of being held liable because the government is telling you you're going to kill people if you uh, open up your business. And isn't it funny how you being from Arizona, you saw this for a full year, even like 18 months from really um, 2018 when that crazy California judge came out with his ruling, you had the border crisis. 21,000 illegals taken to our hospitals, flooding our hospitals. And these are not like Columbia Presbyterian in New York City. These are, you know, Yuma, Del Rio, small city hospitals Copper being Queen. flooded. 240. Yes. Yep. Yep. 240,000 agent man hours spent in hospitals. Yet never, and, and we were making the argument, you know, I mean, my whole book is about this, that a court cannot decide a sovereignty public policy issue. 
Right. But and and but nobody would ever question that. Now suddenly they're applying that principle. Well, this is an epidemic. Of course, can't get involved. There's nothing we could do. A governor or a county guy could do whatever he wants. Now, look, I'm all for 24 hours. You're like a nuclear bomb's coming. Hunker down. Whatever. But when we're six weeks into this, and the evidence now undermines everything they're saying, there are so many questions. Nothing panned out. You can't just say, shut up, it's an epidemic. I can indefinitely um, destroy property, literally physical movement, which is the most unalienable right. Um, Every last part of the Bill of Rights is suspended. Uh, The right to assembly, First Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, down the toilet. When even during a time of crisis, what the courts have always said is that it has to be tailorly or uh, narrowly Narrow. tailored yes. um, to 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 the minimum amount to achieve what the, what the, the state interest. And what you're seeing with shutting down literally and arresting individuals that have nobody around them, a guy boating on a lake, or someone you know at, at a time when when they have subways running, um, things that are do not engender mass gatherings. Most small businesses do not engender large gatherings. And it, it, it's completely not tailored. And suddenly, where's this big judicial supremacism when you need it? It's like the, the only people that have access to the courts now literally are illegals. They're saying you have to release criminals. You have to release. And now they're really recidivating and harming people. So you get arrested if you open up a shop. But if you loot the shop, you don't get arrested or right. you get processed. And then right. but, you know, you don't get booked. Um, and then ab- abortion clinics. I mean. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, no, this is this is so outrageously. Uh, it's 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 something like uh, you and I would never see. This is Alice in Wonderland, where everything is upside down. It's all mixed up. It's messed up because uh, just think about it. Uh, we're gonna, you know, marijuana shops. They they're gonna they're essential, so they're gonna stay open. But you know what? If you run a a curio shop or a bike repair shop or, or whatever, you're not going to get to stay open. Uh, for a while, the governor here in Arizona said that the spas and nail salons were essential businesses. Well, I agree with that. Frankly, I think every business is an essential business. You know, you know how you know it's not essential? Is if the market uh, uh, says it's not essential because people don't go to it and it can't sustain itself. That's the best yep. way of determining what's essential, what's not essential. But you're right. I mean, uh, when we start talking to look, uh, taking a look at, at, at where the courts are, nobody's going to court over this. I am stunned by that um, because the abuse and the violation, which is the standards real clear, uh, t- uh, narrowly tailored. Um, and, and that means largely it has to be specific. It has to be very specified to specific acts. And, and the, even then, the action taken by the state has got to uh, – be a compelling state interest, number one, and then, and then also, also, it has to um, uh, be further that interest. It has, in other words, what we're seeing here is, you know, we're going to say uh, the marijuana shop can't open, but uh, or can open, but if you sell Bibles uh, in a bookstore, you can't open. If you if you're a Walmart, yeah. you can open, but if you're selling furniture, you can't be open. I mean, th- these types of things are not tailorly made. They're not narrowly uh, 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 yep. applying to these things. And, and con- again, back to where I serve in Congress, we need to be having hearings on that um, uh, nonstop. Yep. We need to be having hearings on it nonstop. And um, 
last time I tried to do a minority hearing, you're going to get a kick out of this. Try to do a minority <laughs> hearing. Um, we needed a key. They wouldn't give us a key to open up a room and let us, allow us to do a minority hearing in the House of Representatives, if you can believe that. So, um, this streaming online, I mean, streaming online, yeah. hold it in a strategic location. I'm just saying the biggest thing I would give over to your colleagues is you are not just a vote, but you are a voice. And especially nowadays, it's so easy to get that out. Um, it's so easy to get online. And, and that's the thing. I'm just not hearing the existence of a Republican party. All I'm hearing is the, is, is Trump kind of champion broadly what we want to do but then the people in his administration from the deep state to the shallow state uh you know undermining and doing the exact opposite and then working with pelosi and the democrats and then you got all these governors and then the republican governors that um are as liberal as anything most of them (laughs) uh, you know going along with this stuff and they're like hey i'm holding a press conference in five three hours i'm announcing new things who who the hell are you i mean I, i just since when could you just do whatever you want indefinitely with no oversight, no providing of evidence, no limitations, and, and just like no questions asked. Th- this whole thing is just insane, and I just don't understand. I, I mean, again, where is the minority leader? I mean, where is where is his voice? Um, you know, I was like, you know, Daniel, I, I encourage him, okay? Let me put it that way. I encourage him. And then we as a Freedom Caucus, I encourage my guys in the Freedom Caucus, you've got to be stepping out there. You've got to have the, uh, uh, we've got to be who we are. We need to be loud and proud of what we're doing. And we need to call into question. I mean, you can, uh, I, I find this interesting. So, so, so um, I, part of my rant as I digress is that we've got to be questioning the, the, the conventional wisdom and authority. I grew up in the hippie era uh, where people were, t-shirts saying question authority and then all over the bumper stickers question authority you know who's in authority today in most states uh or not most states but in the blue states they are the people who had those shirts on and they're the ones who are telling you <laughs> if you question authority uh we're going to uh publicly ostracize you and that'll be the least of your concerns we may actually go after you uh for uh, some kind of criminal or civil violation that's how upside down America's become, we should all be questioning. We should all be saying, Fauci, how is it that you hold this position and yet you've been wrong and you have not only been wrong on every model that you've relied on, you have admitted that you that every model is, is unreliable. And you have said that you have not taken into account societal or economic uh, uh, issues in, in determining your public policy that you've, you've seen fit to be implemented upon America. And additionally, Dr. Fauci, you've said this economic problem and these societal uh, problems are mere inconveniences. Well, you know what? You should not be serving there anymore. You have forfeited that. And Dr. Birx is even worse. She wants yeah. us. She said there's going to be a, a re uh, uh, a re uh, spread, a re outbreak of this. And since that's the case, we should be we should plan on being closed. Uh, uh, until November and the bottom yeah, line, but, is, but she's creating that she is creating, she's creating that because, yes. because she's right. A German epidemiologist who opposes lockdown and very vehemently, you might've seen it. He actually made that point. He said, as sure as the sun rises, you will have another one because for the first time ever, we're not trying to do herd immunity. Right. right exactly. I mean, we, that, believe it or not, 
the American people are getting this. And so I had a, someone in the tele town hall last night saying that. But but here's the deal, uh, Daniel. Is this the new? Is this the new normal? Where next year, when we have another thirty to thirty-six million people contract the flu, when we hospitalize five hundred to seven hundred thousand people for flu, when uh, multiple tens of thousands of people succumb because of flu complications. Are we going to shut down the economy then? Is that the new norm? Is that the new norm? That, that's my concern. There, there's no safety net because, Congressman, let me buttress your point. It, this just came out as, as we started. Um, Stanford University, I mean, to my knowledge, this is the first um, antibody testing. Germany has really done this a lot more. I don't know why it's taken so long, and it's still only one. But Stanford University, they did their area where they're mm-hmm. located, Santa Clara County. Quote, if our estimates of 48,000 to 81,000 infections represent the cumulative total on April 1st and we project deaths to April 22nd, we estimate about 100 deaths in the county. 100 deaths out of 48,000 to 81,000 infections corresponds to an infection fatality rate of 0.12 to 0.2%. And and for our listeners, that means between one-tenth and one-fifth of one percentage point. Um that is, you know, again, that could be twice the flu, potentially. And if a heck of a lot of people have it, that's still a lot of people dying. But like you're saying, it's it's not that far off. Um, this is not like Ebola, you know, which in Congo had like a 60% fatality rate or something. And it's terrible for those who get it. But do we really have the ability to save those lives? They have not demonstrated that. Right. No, I mean, that's. Uh, and that's the point. I mean, the other point I would I would make that goes hand in hand with this is we have we have flu vaccines that people get every year. We have we have treatments that are long known for for flu. And still, uh, what what I anticipate, to be frank with you, and I've actually heard Gottlieb say this, that it's going to be ratcheted down as we get more tests and we find out uh, who's had this and that how how widespread this has been actually been in this in the United States. This is going to be down right in the same range as uh, the annual flu. And that's and, and, and the thing that worries me, that keeps me awake at night, is this. Even if, it, even if it doesn't pan out to be just like the flu and maybe is a little bit more serious, maybe a little bit more virulent, we have basically ceded over so many of our rights and can yes. we get them back? We've ceded over our economy. Can it come back? Um, and that's that's really the question. Uh, for what? For what? And I and I believe that history is written by the victor. And if history is written by uh, the Gottliebs and uh, Fauci's of the world, it's not going to be a, a, a true picture. We need this. We need the Stanford epidemiologists who've been doing good work actually up there, um, and they've been on this actually for. For six weeks, as you know, I mean, that's when I think the first piece that they wrote saying, hey, look, this is the, it's, it's not going to play out like the guy in England said. So, No, exactly. I know you got to run. You've given us a lot of time. One one final question looking forward. So, you know, let's say we're able to get out of this iteration looking in the midterm. And really, it's got to start now. I, I feel like we have the perfect convergence of labor policy, immigration policy, deregulation, tax cuts, an opportunity to make a true warlike investment. Don't we need some sort of 
contract with America, and, and I really think the Freedom Caucus could spearhead this, to go ahead and have a list, a list of massive deregulation that will be also coupled with immigration moratoriums and end of visas because you know part of this vulnerability from China is A, spreading it coming in from there, B, the fact that the outsourcing um, stems from a mixture of us educating all of their people and then the workers and they go back there and see the fact that we have such an insane regulatory climate here so it you know it kind of chases them away if we make that all come back i really feel it would almost make this worth it you know we've been very down the last 45 minutes but i think the same way the left wants to make america more dependent and despotic we can make america more independent more sovereign and more free and more prosperous don't we need a competing vision do, do you guys have any plans of yes. of offering that um, uh, I'm not going to reveal, but uh, I will tell you this, that uh, I was working on on this before we got to the virus is what is how do we uh, craft a vision that the American people uh, uh, will support, sustain. And I believe we have some of those ideas. But uh, in this environment, at this moment, once the virus uh, and the shutdowns took place, it it actually changed some of the the things to be uh we've got to attack some of the more draconian things more directly and openly and you're right we need we need a new contract with america we need uh we need new promises for america uh and and i believe that there's no better group in congress to do that than the freedom caucus perfect well we're looking to hear more good news from from uh your caucus Thanks for sounding the alarm. Thanks for being one of the few to stand up. Folks, if you have more questions for Congressman Biggs, let me know. You could email me, dharwoods at blazemedia.com. We are way out of time. Have a great weekend. Till next time, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.